Open your Bibles to Matthew 16, uh, starting in verse 13. It says, When Jesus came to the region of Caesarea Philippi, He asked His disciples, saying, Who do men say that I, the Son of Man, am? So Jesus says to His disciples, Hey, what, what's the skivvy out there? What, what's, what's the rumors? What's on Twitter? What are, yeah. <laughs> what's trending right now, is what He's saying. Okay, what's trending? What's, what's, what are people saying about me? Who do they think I am? So they said, some say John the Baptist, some Elijah, and others Jeremiah or one of the prophets. But he said to them, who do you say that I am? What did you put on your Instagram, your Twitter? Simon Peter answered and said, you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said to him, blessed are you, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood has not revealed this to you but my Father who is in heaven. And I say to you that you are Peter, and on this rock I will build my church, and the gates of Hades shall not prevail against it. And I will give you the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatever you bind on earth will be bound in heaven, and whatever you loose on earth will be loosed in heaven. You know, um, what we see here is that Jesus is the foundation of the church. Jesus is not just part of the church. He is the rock upon which the church is built. He is its foundation. If there's no Christ, there's no church. Or we can say it positively, Christ is all in all in the church. Now, some people might think this is too simple. But let's just look at a few scriptures because we need to be abbreviated, right? Um, look at Ephesians 1 for a moment. We're just going to look at a, a, just a few. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 22. And he, meaning God, put all things under his feet. The his is Christ. So God has put all things under the feet of Christ and gave Christ to be the head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness of him who fills all in all. Chapter 2, verse 10, it says, For we are his workmanship, Created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Look at um, the same chapter 2, verse 14. For he himself, meaning Jesus, is our peace. He's made both one, meaning Jew and Gentile. He's broken down the middle wall of separation. He's abolished in his flesh the enmity. So through, through, through his death of the cross, Jesus draws both Jew and Gentile to himself. And when they receive him, they become one in him. Verse 17, And he came and he preached peace to you who were afar off and to those who were near. Those who are afar off, that's us. Unless you're Jewish, that's us. Because if you're not a Jew, you're Gentile. And we were afar off. The Jews got the promises, the covenants, the law, right? They got, they got all the good stuff from God. We got invited in later. We were afar off. Verse 18, for through him, meaning Jesus, we both have access, both Jew and Gentile, we have access by one spirit to the Father. Now therefore you're no longer strangers, foreigners, but fellow citizens with the saints and members of the household of God. You're in God's family if you've accepted Jesus Christ. Having been built on the foundation of the apostles and prophets, Jesus Christ himself being the chief cornerstone. I could read many, 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 many texts, but I need to be abbreviated. When I'm asked, what is your vision for the church? I think first and foremost of Jesus. 
for it is not possible to think of the church apart from him. Now, the church and Christ are not identical, but they are inseparable. They are one as a man and a wife are one flesh, or as the vine and the branches, or as the head and the body have one blood. And it is this unity of Christ and the church, or rather the centrality, his centrality to the church, that is at the heart of everything we are doing today. Now today is kind of like a smorgasbord, right? Because we're going, to, we're going to welcome new members, we're going to dedicate some children, we're going to have a baptism, we're going to have fellowship. And if you're a guest here and you don't know about church life, you're like, what is going on around here? This is kind of, kind of weird. Um, we are peculiar people. We are weird. But what we're really doing today is we're celebrating Jesus Christ. And we're celebrating uh, what he has done for us. And these different, um, baptism is a sacrament, but these different ordinances, the, the dedication, the, the fact that we are publicly um, welcoming new members, these things are all a reflection and really a fruit of the work of Jesus Christ in our lives. The most important thing about the church isn't the church. It's not the building, it's not the staff, it's not the budget, it's not even the things we do in church. The most important thing about the church is Jesus Christ. That He is central to the church. Now, let me explain that quickly uh, for those of you, maybe you're a guest here and you don't know Jesus Christ. Um, I remember one of the first times someone talked to me about Jesus. Now, I, I came to Christ as a young adult. I said, do I have to go to church? Now, if you've ever shared Christ with anybody, you'll, you, you'll be surprised how often people say that. Do I have to go to church? In other words, I'll, I'll, I'll contemplate, I'll think about what you're saying, as long as I don't have to go to church. <laughs> um, apparently, a lot of people have bad experiences with church. A lot of kids grew up in church, and, and it's boring, and it's dead, and it's just church is not good. Matter of fact, a high percentage of people that even claim they're Christians today don't even go to church, um, which to me is very sad. Nevertheless, without Jesus, there's no church because the church, by its very definition, is an organism, not an organization, an organism that is connected to him spiritually. All of us have sinned. I've probably sinned more than most of you. And my sin separated me from God. I was afar off. I couldn't make my way back. I couldn't work and do good things or do religious acts and to make, to make myself acceptable to God. The gospel or the good news is that God has remedied the problem of my sin. That's the good news. If the, the good news is not turn over a new leaf, be a better person, go to church, take the sacraments, that's not the good news. The good news is that your problem, which fundamentally is sin, that's my problem, your problem has been solved for you by God himself. You see, the root of our problem is the fact that we are alienated and separated from God. And that separation is caused by our sin. Now, you all know you've sinned because the the the, the opposite of sinning is perfection. So no one here is going to stand up and say, I'm perfect. It just isn't so. We all know that. So I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna belabor that point. But the point is, is that life's problems spring out of that. And 
My alienation and separation from God is rooted in that because God is holy and I'm not. And so my sin separates me uh, from Him. And doing good or being religious doesn't resolve the problem. It doesn't get to the root of the matter. The only thing the Scripture says that takes away my sin is Jesus Christ through His death and resurrection. You say, well, how does that work? Well, very simply, when Jesus died on the cross, there's a lot of, I don't know if you, you, you're watching any of the, the new series on finding Jesus. No? Nobody? Okay. Whew. Forget that analogy. All right. Uh, um, um, okay. Anyway. The, anybody see the movie The Passion of Christ? All right. All right. Good. I'll try that. All right. Well, if you watch the movie attentively, you see that they, they talk about, I mean, there's different angles to thinking about Jesus and his betrayal, right? The personal motives of Judas and the political things going on. And, and all of that's relevant. All that's true. But there was something grander going on. You see, from a human perspective, we can say Jesus was betrayed because somebody was covetous. Or Jesus was crucified because the leaders in Israel were afraid of losing their, their power with the populace and, and, uh, and all of these things. And those are all true on a human perspective. But something grander was happening. And that God, in his wisdom, was taking all of these uh, various motives and schemes and things. And he was taking these things and then using them to fulfill His plan and His purpose. So when Jesus died on the cross, He was dying in my place. So God, in His infinite wisdom, takes my sin, places it on Jesus. Jesus then is punished, not just politically or legally, He's punished divinely, if you will. He dies in my place. The good news is that whatever punishment I ought to receive for my sin has been taken by another. And then the blessings which that person, meaning Jesus, really deserved because he was sinless, those blessings have been given to me. Not because I earned them, but because they're a gift of grace. Jesus gets my sin, I get his righteousness, the Bible says. For God made him who knew no sin to be sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him. Now that's good news, man. So imagine this this pen is you or me. It's a good looking pen, man. It's a nice pen. Uh, This is you and me, and we've sinned. And we'll say this Bible is Jesus. When I truly embrace Jesus, when I truly believe in Jesus, when I truly accept Him as my Savior, when I acknowledge that I'm a sinner and that He died on the cross for me and rose from the dead for me, when I truly embrace that, the Bible says that I am, I am now in Him. So this is me and this is Him. I'm now in Him. I'm in Him. So when God looks at me, what does He see? He sees the righteousness of Jesus Christ. That's why a holy God can allow a sinner like me into his very presence because I am clothed with the righteousness of his son, Jesus. And that's why the Bible says for all of those who believe in him, there is no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. None whatsoever. That's good news. And that is the, that message which is really the message of the person of Jesus, that is the foundation of the church. 
Because every person that's in Him through faith becomes joined not only to Him, but then to every other person who's in Him. And we are all one in Him. So imagine each, each page is a Christian. There's me, I'm Ephesians 1. There's Mike, Galatians. We're all Christians. And we're all in Him. And we make one book, or as the Word of God says, we make one body, one church in Him. This is why the Bible uses figures about the church like the vine and the branches. If you don't have the vine, you're not going to have branches. The head and the body. Now, you could have a body without a head, but it wouldn't be alive. Right? Wouldn't function. Talks about the, the cornerstone of the temple. You can have a big pile of stones, but it's not a temple if they're not put together. They're built on a, on a cornerstone. That's Jesus. The Bible talks about the bridegroom and the bride. The church is his bride. He's the bridegroom. All of these things speak of, of the, the oneness and the unity between Jesus Christ and his church. No Jesus, no church. And that's why Luther said that the, the gospel message of, of um, being accepted by God through faith is really the, the foundational mark of the church. If we lose that message, we really lose the church. Now, we can have a group full of people. We can have thousands of people in a building, and they can all say, I'm a Christian. But if they're not truly in Christ, then they're not Christian. And they're not the true church. So, Jesus is the vision. Jesus is the goal. The church is really about Jesus Christ. So let me conclude with an exhortation briefly to, first of all, the new members. Your contribution to this particular assembly will be in direct proportion to your relationship with Jesus Christ. He is the one who gives you love for His church. He is the one who gives you power to serve. He is the one who gives you spiritual gifts for the building up of his church. The closer you are to Jesus, the more fruitful you will be, and the more you will be a blessing to this community. Amen? Also, a word to the parents who will be dedicating their children today. Build your home on the rock. Build it on the rock. Jesus Christ himself. Make the word of Jesus your bread. Make the will of Jesus your law. Make the presence of Jesus your passion. Build not only a home, but build a temple in your home. Where Jesus is welcomed, He's obeyed, and He is adored. Love Jesus first, even more than your children, and more than your spouse. Seek first Christ and His kingdom And then all of your spiritual desires for your children, these will be added unto you. Amen? And lastly, to all of us, um, let us make sure that we are standing on the rock of Jesus. Some of you I know, I know well, and I'm fairly convinced that you are on the rock and you know Christ as your Savior. Some of you I don't know, and uh, I would encourage you to seek out knowing Christ. Maybe you came today thinking the gospel or or church was about being good, but church isn't about being good. It's about the good news. And that's that God loves you and God will forgive you of any and all of your sins, that God actually wants to have a relationship with you. Now, how weird is that? 
I mean, think about it. It's pretty crazy, but it's true. You and I were created for this very purpose, that we would know Him. And there's a God-shaped vacuum in your heart, which you've been trying to fill with many things, but the only thing that will fill it is God Himself. Amen. And when you ask Christ to be your Savior, you invite Him into your heart, that void will be filled. Amen. Let's uh, pray together. Father, we thank You so much for Your Son, Jesus Christ. And we thank You for all that He has done for us, all that He gives us, all the many ways that He blesses us. And we want Him to be honored and glorified today, Lord, as we embrace these new members into our church family, as we dedicate our children to you, as we observe baptism. We want the focus, Lord Jesus, to be on you, your goodness, your grace, and your finished work on the cross. We pray that today you would be honored, Lord, in all that we do. We love you very much. We pray in your name. Amen.